Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Sunday, we actually are beginning a new church year, and the church year with the first Sunday in Advent is emphasizing the advent of our king. Advent means coming, and and we celebrate not only his first coming as the babe of Bethlehem, but we also look forward to his second coming as the king of glory on the last day. And so this service then is rather unique because the other services, like starting next week, will start to emphasize John the Baptist and Jesus coming and and who's this Savior who would be born to save the world. We'll, We'll hear that in the coming weeks. But with this particular Sunday, the emphasis is still on this second coming and Jesus being king. Our first lesson for this first Sunday in Advent is found recorded In the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, beginning at verse 1. Oh, that you would rip open the heavens and come down. Mountains then would quake because of your presence. As fire ignites stubble and as fire makes water boil, make your name known to your adversaries. Then nations would quake in your presence. You did amazing things that we did not expect. You came down. Mountains quake because of your presence. From ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has understood, no eye has seen any God except you who goes into action for the one who waits for him. You meet anyone who joyfully practices righteousness, who remembers you by walking in your ways. But you were angry because we sinned. We have remained in our sins for a long time. Can we still be saved? All of us have become like something unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy cloth. All of us have withered like a leaf, and our guilt carries us away like the wind. There is no one who calls on your name who rouses himself to take hold of you. So you hide your face from us. You made us melt by the power of our guilt. But now, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. All of us are the work of your hand. Do not be angry, Lord, without limit. Do not remember our guilt forever. Please look closely. All of us are your people. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is taken from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. This text here will serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. St. Paul writes, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus. You were enriched in him in every way, in all your speaking and all your knowledge, because the testimony about Christ was established in you. 
As a result, you do not lack any gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also keep you strong until the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The Word of the Lord. Our Gospel is taken from Mark chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and he will send it back here without delay. They left and found a colt on the street, tied to a door, and they untied it. Some were who were standing there asked them, What are you doing untying the colt? The disciples answered them, just as Jesus had instructed them, and the men let them go. They brought the colt to Jesus, threw their garments on it, and Jesus sat on it. Many people spread their garments on the road. Others spread branches that they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who followed were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. I'd like to read this section once again. Please take to heart these beautiful words. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus. You are enriched in him in every way, in all your speaking and all your knowledge because the testimony about Christ was established in you. As a result, you do not lack any gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will also, he will also keep you strong until the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who called you into his fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. These are the words that the Apostle Paul would write, and in fact he used these words for quite a number of his letters. Because of this, I have now used these very words as always the opening words after I say dear so and so I begin with grace and peace be to you and I always use it to open my sermon now I know some pastors will use different verses and, and, and actually they have uh, printed them out I actually got a copy someplace here and 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 for a while, I think you could probably count on one hand the number of times I actually used it. I go back to always the words, grace and peace be to you from our Lord and from our God, the Father 
and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't do this because I'm being lazy. I'm not doing this because I'm just stuck in a rut. I do this because these beautiful words need to be reminded always over and over again because these words in a nutshell is not just words that open a letter. These are the words that are at the heart of the good news of Jesus, the gospel itself. Grace. Grace is God's favor. It's God's leaning. Grace is God's undeserved love. Grace is God's pardoning love. But it's not a, just a love that says I love you. It is a love that does something. And that results in peace. For where there is grace, there is peace. Peace is no longer being an enemy of God. Knowing that we are by nature sinful human beings, we are separated from God. But it is God who made us at one with him, who reconciled us, who made us at peace. Is it this the word that was spoken by the angel when he said to the shepherd concerning the announcement of the Savior's birth that there would be peace on earth and goodwill toward men? At the heart of this peace is the forgiveness that Jesus Christ himself won for us with his perfect life and his sacrifice on the cross. This is all from God our Father who sent the Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. It is this grace and peace that the Holy Spirit testifies through the Holy Word, the Bible. Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is because of this grace, which results in peace, that Paul opens his letter by saying, I thank my God. Now, this letter to the first Corinthians is actually very strong, and you could even say harsh in some places. There was all kinds of troubles going on, especially religiously, within the, the Corinthian congregation. There were Jews within the congregation, but it was mostly made up of Gentiles, in other words, Greeks. Oh, there, Paul will be writing about cliques they were having and divisions that was tearing the church apart. He's going to be talking about the abuses of the Lord's Supper and correct those and, and, and show what the Lord's Supper really is. Oh, he's going to go and point out some sexual immorality that has infiltrated the church and, and remind them on how marriage really works and what God really set up. Oh, he'll be getting into speaking in tongues and spiritual gifts and, and so forth and so on. But before he gets into all that, he thanks God. He thanks God because of this grace. But notice how he describes this grace. Earlier I said it was God's favor, but here he points out that this is the grace that's given. This is a passive verb. This is not the active verb, but the passive verb. And in any language, the passive verb is always a verb where something is being done to you by someone else. 
So this is not grace he's talking about that you have for God because you've earned it, but rather this is grace that God has given you. And all of this grace is tied up, as he says here, in Christ Jesus. So everything about Jesus, who he is and what he has done for us, is all part of that grace, that undeserved love, that favor of God. The fact that our Savior came as that humble child, born, taking on human flesh, the very Son of God, leaving the glories of heaven to become one of us, and yet was without sin so that he could pay for those sins. And then yet, this is the same Jesus Christ who will come again. Oh, not with humility like he did the first time, but as an exalted king, as the king of glory, as the judge of the world. And how comforting it is to know that our judge on the last day is the Savior. Oh, what joy. Yes, knowing that grace is given in Christ Jesus. It is not surprising that the Apostle Paul says, I thank God. He doesn't say, I thank you people for what you're doing and keep it up. No, I thank God for what God is doing for you. And what he is announcing to them is nothing new. For he makes it very clear here that our testimony, the testimony about Christ, was established in you. All this message of Jesus, it was all established in you. A passive verb again. You didn't establish the testimony. God established the testimony. And he placed that testimony in you when he called you to faith, and faith clings to that testimony. When I was studying this text, I actually had to chuckle because the word established here just reminded me of what happened on Friday. The, the national Christmas tree was lit. Our president counted down, and, and then everyone got to see it light all at once, and it was a spectacular sight. Well, did you know that this past Monday, it actually blew over the whole tree? And, they were, and then I found out that the reason that the tree blew over is because there was a high wind. Well, there was high winds from previous years, so why would the tree fall over? They said, well, this year they had cut the tree, where in other years the tree was always rooted, so they would decorate a tree that was there, but this time they had to bring a tree in. The word established here means rooted. To be rooted in the testimony of Christ means that no wind and, and not even Satan himself can blow over this testimony and destroy this testimony. This testimony is rooted. This testimony is founded. And God placed it in you and established it in you firmly. So with grace given, with the testimony of Christ established and rooted in you, Notice the blessing. It says you are enriched. Another passive verb. It doesn't say you enriched God by what you do. It says God enriched you. And in fact, he goes and says he enriched you in every way, in all ways, 
even including the spiritual gifts he has blessed you with. This is the God who has enriched you by calling you to faith. You didn't come to him, he came to you. You didn't choose him and accept him in your heart. He came and called you and called you to believe the truth. Even our faith is a gift of God. And for that we can't thank him enough. He enriched you in every way. Even with the abilities to not only know Christ, but to also share his holy name. Specifically, he speaks of speaking and knowledge. These are the things that he's going to be expanding on in the letter that's, that is coming up. But these are the two things that the Greeks were known for. They loved their philosophy. They loved their speaking and knowledge. There were traveling tutors. People would actually hire them to teach their children. And what were the two main subjects? Speaking and knowledge. And here, Paul is making it very clear. He knows what the real speaking and knowledge is. All those philosophers, well, they'll give you their opinions. They'll give you what's popular. And they'll do it for a buck. But the real truth, the real speaking, is only in Jesus Christ by God's grace. Just think, speaking without knowledge would make you a complete fool. To have knowledge and not to share it with others would also make you a complete fool. To have both knowledge and, and speaking and, and, and the Lord granting us unique and gifts so that we may share the very truth that he has revealed to us. It's not an act of foolishness. It's an act of pure wisdom. I am convinced that a child who believes and confesses that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, is wiser than all the wise who can have all the degrees and letters after their name. But without Christ, they're still complete fools. My friends, you're not fools. God has established his testimony in your heart. Take that word to heart. Continue in that word. Continue to grow in that word. And by the grace of God, continue to proclaim and share that word even with everyone you meet, especially by even letting your light shine, that the love of God may burn in your heart and be seen by those around you. Grace given, testimony established, enriched in every way, these are the things that Paul is thankful for, but he doesn't stop there. He also looks to the future. And when it comes to the future, he writes, he will also keep you strong until the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. During the end times and, and during this particular time of the year, it can get very uncomfortable hearing about Judgment Day. 
hearing about on the last day how he's going to separate the sheep from the goats, the believers from the unbelievers. And don't you find yourself asking the question, am I going to be on the sheep's side, the believer's side? And how do I know for sure I'm going to be on that side? Because I really don't want to be on the other side and spend eternity in hell. I want to spend it in heaven. How can I ever know? And, we're, and, and doubts can easily infiltrate and come in. Paul answers that question. It says he will keep you. Not you will keep yourself, but he will keep you. The very God who called you to faith in Jesus Christ is the very God who will keep you in that faith and walk in and work in your hearts. And how do you know that God is going to do this? Paul sums, sums it up perfectly when he writes, God is faithful. Short, simple, to the point, but an absolute fact. The Old Testament word for faithfulness had as its root word truth. In other words, amen. God is the great amen. God is the one who tells the truth. God is the one who holds to the truth. And one who holds to the truth is one who is faithful. When God promises that he's going to be with us to the very end of the age, there's no guessing, there's no wondering. God said it, it's done. God is not going against it. Oh yes, you can reject the Lord in unbelief. Yes, we are by nature sinful human beings who can turn from the Lord and, and live in our own selfish ways. Oh, we can easily be tempted to take God's word and twist it and turn it and make it say what I want to say. Yes, we can fall away from the Lord. And we can only blame ourselves on the last day. But in Jesus Christ, in the gospel and testimony of Jesus Christ, which God has established in you. Only in God are we saved. We don't have to live with the doubts. Did I do enough? We live with the hope that Christ did it all. It is done. It is finished. So let's join the Apostle Paul in also giving thanks giving thanks to a God who has loved us dearly. And you can sum it up with these beautiful words, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. These are not just words to start a letter. These are not just words because the pastor can't think of anything else to say at the beginning of the sermon. These are words that must be repeated taken to heart, and believed. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org.
S-A-L-E-M-E-V-L-U-T-H-E-R-A-N dot O-R-G. May God bless you today and every day.